that there is a proper way to pour punch? There is, and I know it because I've been trained on it. Back in the land of where I'm from, we all gave parties. And with every party, there was a sense of decorum that must be kept. Every good party had to have a theme. Notice I didn't say a reason, I said a theme. And every party had the theme, and so you had to have the right decorations and the right colors to go with it. And back in my day, I said it back in my day, long, long, long years ago, we used to invite people to parties with big, thick paper, even thicker than cardstock. And we would spend so many hours wandering and wondering about which kind of font to use on this paper. Because the kind of font we used, whatever we chose, would let our guests know what type of event it was. Is it formal or is it casual? And we would use key words on these invitations like save the date or formal invitation to follow. Or we would use things like cocktail or black tie or summer casual. Still don't know what summer casual is, but I use it. It was important. Now, I know that right now, if I sent some of my cousins a mailed invitation, they would never get it. So hear me say, I have received and sent my fair share of text and email invitations. But at one point, there was a time when you sent a message through these invitations. And let's talk about the guest list of these parties. That was important. Who are you going to invite? Who are the guests? You must invite people who have invited you first. You always invite them. You have to invite your family no matter what. And you, nice, would be, would be nice if you invited someone new in the community to introduce them to someone, test out their bantering abilities. The guest list was important. We kept every single one of the rules of the protocol when we had my grandmother's 70th birthday. I remember it vividly. We even had a party planner. And I remember the day of my grandmother's birthday party. She had polio, so she lived in a wheelchair. And they put her in the middle of the room. And the party planner, so stressed out, running around, and she's like, okay, everybody gather around, family. I need to give you directions. And she said, where are the children? Where are the five children? Of course, my aunts and uncles were like, yeah, we're here. They're like, your job is to sit at her right, one at a time, taking turns. You are to sit at the right of your mother so you can help facilitate the conversations in case they get dull. All right. And then the party planner turned to all of us grandchildren and she said, who among you is the youngest male? I need the youngest male descendant. And we all looked at my brother like, hey, hey. he's like, yeah. She said, it's your job to stand at the front door and greet all of the guests. That is your honor as the youngest male descendant. Of course, we all laughed and we thought we were out of the woods. And then she said, who among you is the youngest female descendant? I need the youngest female. I was, that would be me. 
right here. And she said, I need you to pour the punch. It is your honor to pour the punch at your grandmother's birthday party. So I went and I was like, okay. And she said, surely you have been trained to do this, right? And I was like, surely you are joking. You just dipped the cup, right? It took her 20 minutes to train me properly to pour punch. There's an art to it. And so I stood as my honor and I poured punch for every guest that came to the party. And as I was pouring punch halfway through the party, I noticed something weird. I looked up and right next to my grandmother, to her right, my aunt, her daughter, got up. And as soon as she got up, another woman, unfamiliar, sat in her place. And the party planner began to fume. She got so mad you could see the steam coming out of her ears. And she just made a beeline over to this uninvited sitter. Luke 14 says this. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. And when he noticed how the guest chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your seat. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exhausted, exalted. He said also to the one who invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or sisters or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the cripple, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Obviously, Jesus was not trained in how to pour punch. Or was he? I like to think that his mom taught him exactly how to behave in all situations, and he just chose not to. And that's how we have the contradiction, the conflict, and the argument again. And we know this because of the very first verse. It says they were watching him closely. 
I have a very good friend, and she is known for her neighborhood parties. She throws huge neighborhood parties, and she invites every single neighbor, even if she doesn't like them. There's one particular person in the neighborhood she does not like. And every single time he comes, he goes over to the appetizer, take a napkin, and he stuffs all the shrimp in the napkin and puts it in his pocket. And so every single time she has a party, she looks at somebody and she says, keep an eye on that one. Don't let them near my table. They're watching Jesus closely. They have an eye on him. And there's a reason because he always inserts himself in the place he's not supposed to be. And so here we have Jesus becoming the party planner. Jesus goes in and he says, where are the children? Give me all the uncles, all the aunts, bring me the youngest men, bring me the youngest women, bring them all to me, because now I am going to retrain you. And I'm not just gonna retrain the guest, I'm going to retrain the host. Beware of where you sit and beware of who you invite. Now a word about these beautiful, lavish Palestinian parties. In your mind, you might be thinking about a dance floor and a DJ. Get all of that out of your brain. For a Palestinian party... They're a bunch of couches and cushions, and they're in a circle. And as the invited guests come to these parties, the invited men take their place on the appropriate couch to be served. And what happens is when the men arrive, they assess themselves with the men already there. Am I of better means than you? If so, then I will take the couch in front of you. If not, I will take the one below you. And so as different guests arrive, the men are constantly changing where they're sitting. And in the middle, there's always the most lavish cushion. And the person of the greatest status, the person of the greatest wealth, they're always the ones in the center. And so the success of your Palestinian party is based on who's in the middle. Because it means one day you will be a guest at their party. Who's in the middle? Now, I know that none of us do this anymore. I mean, our invitations have evolved, so surely we have as well. I mean, when we go to a fundraiser, we don't talk about the people who paid for it. We talk about the people who need the services, right? I mean, when we go to a party or when we invite people to our house for a party, we don't just invite people that are like us, do we? I mean, we invite all the people that make us uncomfortable, right? I mean, we invite people that we think are awkward or don't really want to talk to, right? We invite the people with all the mental health problems. We invite the people who have the addictions that make us uncomfortable. We have the people in our house that have all the different pronouns that we trip over because they don't make sense to us. Maybe we have just a bunch of people in our house that we just disagree with on purpose. Every community calls them different names. 
the Palestinian called them the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. People who were different. There's a minister, and every single time he preaches, he says the same exact thing. He says, the church is not a country club, it's a hospital. And so only invite the people who need healing. He says, don't invite the people who can pay the dues, invite the people who need our services. Don't invite the people who need to be attended to, invite the people who need our help. Don't invite the people who need the recognition Invite the people who are begging for equal treatment. I actually went to a party this last year. Unbelievable. They invited me. I was pretty happy. I went to the party and I was talking to a bunch of people I didn't know. Because <laughs> that's fun. And we started talking about all the different celebrities that have died the last two years. I know, it's weird. But people have been dying and they're big names and you kind of forget, oh my gosh. We're like, we just really miss Bob Saget. How did Bob Saget die? And somebody else said, oh, I'm still grieving the loss of Betty White. What an American jewel. And then somebody else said, oh, I'm just so sorry for the queen. She finally lost her husband. It's just downhill from here for her. <laughs> and then I would add now, Olivia Newton-John, how sad. They're people that we miss. And this other person to my right said, well, don't forget Brian Snicket and Ashley Babbitt. The person to my left said, of course not. Who are they again? Well, they died in the insurrection of the Capitol, so let's not forget their names. And the person here said, absolutely and next to that, let's remember the names of George Floyd. And now let's add Armand Arbery. And this guy said, remind me, who is that again? And there it is. A contradiction, a conflict, and an argument. And nobody wants that at a party. But that's exactly what the scripture is calling out of us, especially at the party. May it not be lost on us that this controversy and conflict and argument is all over a meal. There is a party with bread being broken. And this very first century church, they're trying to figure out how to live together and how to be a community together and how to be a church together. And what do they do? They're being baptized and they're learning about the power of water and new life. And that becomes a sacrament. But right next to it, they are breaking bread constantly, which is another sacrament because we know whenever bread is broken, the kingdom of God is near. And when the kingdom of God is near, all people are welcome at that banquet equally. Now, I have an affinity for a woman named Emily Towns. She's the Dean of Vanderbilt Divinity. Incredible scholar, incredible published author. 
And Emily talks about her grandmother a lot. And Emily said, growing up, her grandmother would always say to her, child, I just need to be a blessing. Child, I just need to be a blessing. And Emily said she grew up thinking that her grandmother meant, I just need to give presents to everybody. (laughs) And she learned that's not really what that is. And then she learned, or she thought she learned, that maybe being a blessing meant that she would have equal treatment based on the color of her skin. She learned that's not what being a blessing is. Her grandmother's quote, being a blessing is living so that we are drawn into relationship with those who have less than we do and to be a real representative of God to all people. There's a great story about Charlie Chaplin. If you know Charlie Chaplin, silent film actor, he read that there was gonna be a Charlie Chaplin lookalike contest. And so he entered it anonymously. Guess what place he got in his own lookalike contest? Sixth. Sometimes there is God standing right in front of us, but we put that person sixth behind us. Our task is to be retrained as host and as guest to see God in all people. Just recently, I was back in that town where we had my grandmother's birthday party. (laughs) And I was sitting at a tiny little table for two with a cousin. And out of nowhere, this African-American man, he came and he pulled up a chair really close to me. And he got in my face and he said, do you know who I am? I was like, no, no, I do not. And he said, and he looked at my cousin and my cousin looked at me, he's like, oh, I know, right? And the man said, you poured me punch years ago. And immediately I softened and said, I am so sorry if I spilled it on you. I was just trained that day. (laughs) And he said, my mom was at that party. My mom had a seat next to your grandmother. And this white woman got real mad about it. And he said, but your grandmother held on to my mom's hand and wouldn't let it go. The man got up from the table and he pushed the chair in and he said, because of people like your grandmother, I'm the new mayor in town. And off he went. At the funeral of Charlemagne, Charlemagne was the greatest Christian ruler of the early Middle Ages. And after his death, there was a mighty funeral possession, left the castle for the huge cathedral. And when the royal casket arrived, with all of the pomp and circumstance, it was met by the local bishop, 
who barred the cathedral door. Who comes? The bishop asked, as was the custom by the front door. Charlemagne, lord and king of the Holy Roman Empire, proclaimed the emperor's proud herald. Him I know not, the bishop replied. Who comes? The herald, a bit shaken, replied, Charles the Great, a good and honest man of the earth. Him I know not, the bishop said again. Who comes? And the herald, now completely crushed, responded, Charles, a lowly sinner who begs the gift of Christ. To which the bishop, Christ's representative, responded, Enter and receive Christ's gift of life. Hebrews 13, verse 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some have entertained angels without even knowing it. Maybe the next time we have a party, the youngest among us should stand at the front door and say, who comes? Amen. Pray with me. Gracious and holy Lord, we are grateful. We are grateful for so many of the blessings and advantages that we have. But Lord, we also ask for healing. Healing in whatever form it might take and whatever ways we may need. And use the people who are most unexpected to provide it. And Lord, throughout this week, may we be agents of change and of peace. And may we not avoid times of injustice, but may we address it in all forms. Use our education, use our knowledge, use it differently so that we may feast every day with people who can teach us and to help us and we can learn from. And may we look around and may we see who is missing and who is in need. Amen. There are certainly a lot of ways that we can respond to God from worship, ways that we are being called to serve, be it our gifts and our time. And I want to share with you a video of one man in our midst who has given a lot of time to Chapel Roswell. Hello, my name is Travis Adcock. I've been going to REMCs for my entire life. Uh, I'm from, I live in Woodstock, uh, but I do a lot of stuff in Roswell. Uh, my dad has been going here for his entire life too. Uh, and my grandparents were very involved in everything to do with REMC World. Um, you know, as a kid, you don't really grasp the whole thing very well, I feel like. So, you know, I did um, the kids zone in here. Uh, once I started getting involved in middle and high school, there was a lot more like deeper conversations and stuff with the youth program here. 2020-ish 
um, they started doing the crew groups in the youth program. Uh, Charlie Rogers was one of the guys in charge of mine, um, and he worked at Chapel Roswell Production for a while, and there was, I don't remember how it came up, but there was, we just kind of got talking. I've done video stuff for my school, um, for our football team, and I've done uh, lighting for our chapel. We kind of got talking and he invited me to come help out with Chapel Roswell, and I was like, okay, that sounds cool. For a while it was just cameras, so I would be operating the cameras for the live stream, uh, and then I kind of graduated, I guess, to ProPresenter, uh, which is what you see on the screen at church, and then I did uh, lighting. You get a certain amount of respect for the production quality, I think. Um, like obviously you can just see the cool fancy lights and the nice live stream um, but when you're behind the light board of the cameras then you really start to kind of get all of the effort that goes into that. It helps you kind of focus on the message a bit more I think. It's harder for your mind to wander so yeah you're, you're kind of more focused in it. I'm gonna keep coming here as long as I can uh, especially because you know it's in the family like my, my grandparents were heavily involved in here. Um, so, you know, I, I want to keep going, keep coming back for as long as I can.